Hey folks, Travis here. This is false. No Ev or Mo this week. Instead, we have a special episode with two local artists, one of which you know and well, know well if you've listened to the podcast, uh, TJ Travis, who was on, I believe, the fourth episode, Spilling Tea with TJ Travis, so scroll on back and uh, give that a listen if you're interested. And uh, we also welcome onto the podcast April Morris, another local painter, visual artist, uh, who is the progenitor of the Pylon Project, uh, something you may have seen around Instagram if you haven't, check it out. We wanted to talk about art in the community here in Windsor, so we brought them both on, considering they're both sort of community-facing artists. TJ is also the new executive director of ArtSite, and so we get into that, and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good episode. It's a little bit lengthy, so strap in and uh, enjoy. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash thisisfalse, and follow us on social media at thisisfalse. Pod, And if you want to check out the work of April and TJ, they say it throughout the episode, but uh, we're going to leave a lot of links in the show notes. So go and check that out and make sure you follow them and contribute to their ability to be artists. All right. Enjoy the episode. We're here to discuss. Yeah. Let's do it. But yeah, so I have April Morris. Hello. Hi, April Morris. TJ Travis. How do you do? <laughs> uh, we are sitting here in the basement of ArtSite, socially yeah. distanced. We are socially distanced in ArtSite. <laughs> yep. In ArtSite, yeah. Yeah, the artist-run center of yep. the future. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, we tried to do this episode last week. We mentioned it on the last episode that uh, there were technical difficulties, and uh, we couldn't do it, so we had to release a, a late episode where Ev and I basically just laughed I don't know if you saw Durham Region. Did you see the Durham Region, either of you? Did I, oh. I don't know if I, if I told you, April, or not. I even. didn't catch that. Um, it, we're not going to rehash the whole thing just because like, we just did a whole episode on it. But uh, Durham Region, which is where I grew up, just east of Toronto. Um, they, oh, the Black History? The Black History ah. Month scavenger hunt. <laughs> yes, you did hear about that. So we laughed about that for a while and also yelled at Durham Region quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> but so we did that. I mean, that was just kind of off the cuff. But uh, Dance to a reggae song. Dance to a reggae song. Talk to a black employee. And name them. Oh, and my name them. God. What the fuck? And like name the longest river in Africa because that has everything to do with Black History Month. It's so fucked up, April. It's so it's, it's more fucked oh up than God. you could possibly imagine. Like I was Ev had never seen it. So I was reading it to Ev on air, being like, oh, we're not done. There's another question. And it was only week one of four. I would love to see the next three weeks. I just want to see what Durham Region had planned. Cook a black dish. <laughs> yeah. Cook a And Caribbean, name it. <laughs> Caribbean or African. <laughs> oh, I so wish I wish up. we I wish we could have no. I wish we had the opportunity to like invite Durham <laughs> to the family reunion and be like, yo. <laughs> We're going to hook you up with some authentic soul food. We got chitlins. Come get your chitlins. Oh, that sounds ethnic. What are chitlins? Oh, well, you see, you pull the intestines out of the pig. You let them soak for 24 hours. (laughs) Smells so good. And then you put some hot sauce on it. Come on, Durham. Get it in. Get it in, Durham. So good. I'm just gonna I do love this. it. We just we just basically had like half the episode. We were just kind of sitting around laughing at the at the conversations that must have been happening in the Durham region offices oh. between white and black employees. Like, holy fuck! 
The thing that's so dope about it, though, is that, like, they had no clue that that was... They had no idea. Like, like, faux pas. Oh, God. I mean, they they got roasted immediately and were forced to, like, take it down and, like, release a statement and shit. But I grew up in that area. I know what that area is like. And it's, like, it's the most woke neoliberal thing, right? It's, like, we're being woke. We're being... It's Black History Month. We're going to get out there. We're going to talk to our employees. We're going to educate them on black history. What's the longest river in Africa? <laughs> what the fuck? It's just no. so Don't it's worry. so white Ontario. It's just unbelievable. Be happy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, it's 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 good. The reason why it's good is because black folks get to laugh at this shit so hard. <laughs> I mean, there's few things that are as good a medicine as as laughter. <laughs> Big belly laughs. First of all, I want to say congratulations, TJ. Because you are now the executive director of this here art site that we find ourselves in. Well, thank you very much. I uh, I worked I worked really hard to not have to work that hard, and now I'm working harder <laughs> than I have ever worked <laughs> in my in my whole life. And some yeah. mornings I wake up, I was like, "Is this what I've been preparing for?" <laughs> Admit it, like when you're an artist and you have to like transition over to like administrative stuff. Yeah, you're doing, like, oh, doing, doing that kind of work. <laughs> I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "There's a reason why I became an artist because math was." Math was like too scatterbrained. I didn't from... want an office. Yeah. Now I have an office. Yeah. All of a sudden I, you're yeah. doing accounting. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I really Calling Kojiko or Bell and trying to figure out internet. Gee, I really, I really enjoy the the opportunity to uh, push with an organization of people who identify themselves as artists and and activists. One of the things that I find most valuable valuable about it is that I'm now in a position to like hold an organization accountable. Right. You know. So. When an organization like Artsite drops a big statement like Black Lives Matter, really? <laughs> okay, show me. You know, show me how valuable my life is. And then they made me the executive director. I was like, okay, <laughs> one point Artsite, <laughs> represent. Called Rep- the bluff, all right. <laughs> yeah, represent, you know, and now it's just like kind of <laughs> continuing that, you know, like uh, we need to, like the organization needs to be uh, diversified in its membership and, and its board. And we're motivated to do this sort of work. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, coming into this organization, I didn't have a close relationship here. I didn't, uh, as a local artist, I didn't do a lot of art like through this space, you know, and neither did a lot of people who I was attached to and I was collaborating with. So the opportunity to bring a lot of these folks into this organization and really uh, have a hand at the programming that comes through and the way that we identify ourselves and the the role that we play in the community as an arts organization we can start to ask challenging questions like what is contemporary art mm-hmm. you know and uh and uh inside what frame was was contemporary art i identified you know and mm-hmm. is contemporary art you know cloaked in like colonialism and if it is, how do we how do we reach into it and uh, and decolonize, you know, contemporary contemporary art, you know? So that's really that's really exciting, you know. For the most part, I'm I'm happy to be in a position where I can like really like big up the city, mm-hmm. yeah. Like the work I put into uh, the Bloomfield House as a mm-hmm. grassroots community outreach initiative. It's like, well, how do we filter that, you know, through through art site, you know, and mm-hmm. do that that grassroots work. Art site is 40 years old and that length it's really easy to become comfortable and also kind of transform out of your uh, 
your your activist roots into kind of a a, a spot of complacency. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, we have we we uh, we get operational funding and this sort of thing. It comes through, so you might find yourself in like a status quo spot. And now I'm in a position where I can like disrupt whatever that is yeah. and say, you know what. We've been doing this for a long time this way. Now we have all these, uh, all we have all this good intelligence at the table. Now let's do, let's do more. You know, yeah. so we can start to like change language and and policy. You know, we can uh, call out dominant culture, white supremacy, like using using that language, colonization, imperialism, and and make sure that that becomes like rooted into our policy moving forward. We can identify the uh like just just the city of windsor you know we is uh it's it's uh, it's a colonial context you know to to look at the city of windsor as the city of windsor so we can start to call the city uh wawei wangatanong mm-hmm. you know and uh and 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 use this platform to like normalize that language so mm-hmm. so that's a that's a cool that's a cool thing you know there's a big yeah. there's a big part of me that's like oh but it seems like a lot of work, you know. <laughs> yeah. I have to be an executive director and black and indigenous at the same time. That shit's a lot of stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know? But it's always a lot of stuff, you know, and now it's a, now it's a few more tools. So Yeah. I know, like when I heard that, I mean, I, I think the universal reaction was like, yes, the, TJ is the perfect person for that job. So congrats. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Thank you. And yeah. we'll we'll get more into the uh the roots of art site, because I'm interested in that. I don't know much about art site, so I wanna I wanna kind of pick your brain about that. But Sweet. Uh, but April Morris. Yes. You are also an artist about the community. Yes. Um, you are a painter. Yes. Uh, that's your main medium, right? You have you do other things as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm starting to do some different stuff, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, I like to say that I'm a painter. Yeah, yeah. And you've recently started doing something that isn't really painting directly. No. Um, but uh, is really interesting and I think is is going to facilitate a lot of conversation between the two of you, which is the pylon project. Yeah. Um, and there's like little pylons sitting here. There's a, and there's big a one pylon over there, over there. There's pylons in this basement. Got them everywhere. I'm when, when I, I, I met you a few months ago and, and one of the things that I, the first things I noticed about you is your Instagram feed is like a lot of your paintings, which are very... Um, construction-y we'll yes. say they're very much what i liked about it is that it seemed to be pointing to transitions in the city yes. and, and and sort of transitions of gentrification you might say maybe not but just uh, transitions from you know one aspect of the city or, or one version of the city to another so you had a lot of like construction materials mm-hmm. in, inter interwoven into your paintings a lot of uh, the bright orange color of pylons is a very is something that you you really play with a lot um, yes. So, how did that? How did you get from there to the Pylon Project? What and what is the Pylon Project? If you want to explain it, my entire art practice is it all begins with walking. Mm-hmm. Walking. I didn't really realize that in the beginning, but walking for me became this like continuous routine of how. Like it started from this like need of escape. Like mm-hmm. it became this like escapism for me, and most of the time. When I started like my undergrad and I was really making a lot of art and starting to think really about like, well, why do I even make art? Like, why am I even creating the things that I'm creating? What, what are these things? What am I, what is filtering through myself and onto the canvas or paper or whatever it was I was making? And everything I was making came from my walks that I was taking the city. And they started out in an area that was like close to my home and then they started expanding beyond that. 
And it kind of started from every summer I would work at, uh, at a factory building car parts. And I, I worked six days a week. And I was in that working on the line. It mm-hmm. sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Midnights, afternoons, days, all three shifts, doing the shittiest jobs that you can imagine. And I was the TPT, so I got last pick for whatever job was available. I got it. Yeah. For those not from Windsor, TPT means uh, temporary part-time. Yeah. Uh, you may not have heard that phrase if you're you not know, from Windsor, but... <laughs> majority of us in Windsor work on the line, and that was my job. That That's what I got. That's what got me through school and being a student. Um, I'd work you know, my butt off in the summertime to make money to last. And I was walking a lot, and that was my escape. And I started to think more critically about my walks later on and thinking about the things that I was seeing, the things that I was experiencing and what I was drawn to and thinking about why I was drawn to specific areas or locations and then paying attention to my, like, emotional response. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I was... I was found myself mostly drawn to areas of construction, um, buildings that were in a state of transformation or locations that were in a state of transformation. Sometimes they were just like open, vacant fields that were being bulldozed for development mm-hmm. or like, you know, old buildings that were no longer in, like being used and they're just kind of like sitting there. It was kind of like these, I always think of them as um, rips in the map of the city, these kinds of uh, access points um, where time and space kind of collides and all of a sudden you're you're revealed to like, oh, this is changing. Oh, I I wonder what this was. I wonder what this is gonna be. I, I wonder what I would want to see there or like, what does this mean? And how do I feel about this change that's going on and like, you know, usually, like, we're all in this fast-paced environment going to and from work and moving really, really quickly and, and not really taking time to slow down and pay attention. And I know taking the time to slow down and pay attention is, like, a privilege. Like, sometimes we don't have a chance to slow down and think about these things and how they're making you feel. Um, mm-hmm. But I had that opportunity to do that, and I thought – and I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop walking and then sitting in these spaces where these changes are going on. And only in those kinds of like locations, my imagination starts to go. Like, you know, like if I walk by a building and like, oh, that is this building. It functions this way. It has its purpose. I don't mm-hmm. really question it. Yeah. It was like in locations where things like where they're in a state of transition, all of a sudden it becomes like this access point to reimagine. So the pylons were always in those spaces. Right. And the pylons were actually really annoying to me at first. (laughs) I didn't like pylons. I was like, God, everywhere I go, there's these pylons and they're disrupting my path. They're in my way. Yeah. Like... Warning Move me, these warning things. Me to like, things. don't don't cross <laughs> this this line. Like, you're not. Don't go in this area. You're not supposed to be here. And you know, mm-hmm. it was like keeping me out of this space. Like, no, don't go in and mm-hmm. danger or whatever. And then I started to use the pylon as a reminder to pause. Yeah. And reflect. And I started thinking about my city in a whole new way. And seeing things in a whole new way, my perspe- my perspective changed. 
Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I started seeing things that maybe I hadn't seen before and really thinking about how I felt about the things I was looking at. Maybe it made me happy, maybe it made me sad, or maybe it made me afraid. Like sometimes I was scared. I'm like this young chick walking around in the city. Like, I don't know, like some locations are like uneasy for me to spend too much time to linger in. So it's like I'm paying attention to my pace that I'm walking. So, and then I just started to realize that like the way that I'm experiencing the city and having this like change of perspective, I'm like, all right, I'm I'm curious to see how others are experiencing this. Mm-hmm. How are other people experiencing the city? Do they experience it the same way I do? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And I want to know about that. I, I'm curious. I mean, the first time I met TJ was I invited him to come for a walk with me. And we went through your neighborhood. And you shared with me your childhood and how you grew up and the house that you lived in. And you shared all these memories with me. And now every single time I walk through your neighborhood where you grew up, I have like these like TJ memories, (laughs) even though I wasn't there. But all of a sudden I see that place in a whole new way. I'm connected to it differently. So the Pylon Project is a way for me to kind of, I don't know, I started inviting people on my walks and and I've led people on walks in the city. And I'm just like curious to see what other people see, what other people experience. So the Pylon Project was an out call for people to have a chance, if you do, if you see a pylon, hold that as like a reminder to pause and reflect and share with me what you see. How does it make you, what, what are you looking at? How does it make you feel? And all of a sudden, I didn't, I wasn't prepared. I thought like I was just gonna get like weird photos being sent to me because like <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the Pylon Project is like an Instagram account where I made a post and I called out for people to send me photos of pylons in the city where they're at and let me know about what they're looking at. I, I wrote this thing in my notebook about how I was like, I want, I want to know what other people are experiencing. I want to know what they see. I want to know what happens when they pause, what questions do they start to ask themselves. How do I do that? How do I connect with and get people connected through that? It's like guiding a walk without being there. Mm-hmm. And especially now during COVID, it was like, you know, I could talk about these things in a gallery. I'm an artist, but like, what if I use the city as a gallery? What if I, what if I can encourage people to, to walk or to pause or to, to kind of think about these things that I am without me really being there? So I made a post. I said, hey, if you see a pylon, take a picture. Think about these things and send it to me and I'll share it. And all of a sudden, I got tons of these photos from people all over the world. And they're so excited to share their pylon photos with me. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. And it's really interesting, too, because it like oftentimes the pylon is not the focus of the photo. It's just in the photo somewhere. And the focus is something else. Maybe it's a building. Maybe it's a house. Maybe like, you know, maybe it's something falling apart in some fence or something like that. It's it's the city in transition or wherever they are in transition. Yeah. I said, like, you know, normally these pylons are found in like places of transition i had someone comment like wow i've never thought about that i've been taking photos this artist that i went on a walk with he's like i've been taking photos of the city for years and never once did i ever think to stop and go wait a minute what's going on here why is this changing what does that mean who's it for who's it for is this for me benefiting from it is someone making money from it is someone doing that yeah do i want this to change and wait a minute if i had a choice 
and if I had a say in these changes, what would that be? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and you know, some people were like, they're li- they're really excited to send me a photo because they feel like they're an artist. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, look, I took this really cool artsy photo of a pylon and I submitted <laughs> it. And like, yeah. I love that. I love that so yeah. much because if I can inspire you to be creative and take a cool photo of a pylon, that's awesome. And then like other people are like, hey, I know that person that sent you that photo. I know who they are. I know where they live. I used to live there. I used to live with them because I've gotten photos from like Kitchener. I've gotten photos from out in Newfoundland. I actually met other artists that make really cool art about pylons and had studio visits with them and talked to them about what the pylon means to them, how they People use it France, as a symbol. Too, right? There's a guy from France. Yeah, that's... this guy in Paris making yeah. cool pylon art. And like, it's like this theme. And you know, this one artist that I got to connect with, she's using it as this like, way of disruption Mm -hmm. but she's taking it into like a more domestic space so she's like domesticating the pylon she's like knitting them and making these like really interesting like wallpaper patterns and things like that because she likes thinking about how do i disrupt that domestic space within that nuclear style family and and thinking about that very critically Mm -hmm. so it's like all of a sudden the, the pylon was this like disruption for me but I feel like I, I'm like kind of taking it and then using it as like a disruptive tool. Let's let's like let's use it to like disrupt your per- perspective for yeah. like a second. It reminds me a lot. Like I know we've we've talked about this, and and you you actually inspired me to kind of go and and reread a lot of the work of the Situationists and of Gita Board and these yeah. sort of Marxists that were uh, that were roaming around uh, in the in the in the fifties and sixties. Or sixties and seventies, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, and and that sort of this idea that the city is this this place of contestation, you know, where where like you know there's 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 battles like you know TJ was alluding to earlier, there's battles that are being fought out in front of you, uh, you know, between people and capital, and you know, and like there's this you know interplay between the two, and it's this dialectic relationship between the two. Yeah, and it like the pylons like a really like I mean it really hit me hard i guess when uh when you first started doing it, it was like wow yeah pylons are actually the perfect thing to represent that conflict that thing it's something that's a warning to you it's supposed to stop you from doing something it's supposed to be like very visible but at the same time you don't really notice them like they're they're kind of they're both kind at of the like, same time it's again like that dialectic thing yeah they're kind of like not the focus they're there's the thing about safety with them yeah you know, and thinking and how safety comes into play into what we're thinking about. You know, like these are spaces that I didn't always feel safe in. You know, I mean, as a young woman exploring the city and going on these walks, I don't normally walk at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I even had somebody share a pylon photo with me and they're like, I had to snap this one quick because there was somebody behind me that made me feel nervous and I had to move fast. So then all of a sudden I started to think like, oh, like actually asking people to pause, maybe be putting them in like a situation where they don't feel safe. And I, and I hadn't thought about that really with like this out call. So then I, I was like, oh, holy crap, like that, that is so important because like I feel that way too when I'm in the city, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't linger in this area for too long. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, why? Like, why don't I feel safe? Mm-hmm. That makes me angry. Like, I want to feel safe. And I like, you know, so... 
I kind of started going into these like construction sites. I took some pictures of myself like meditating and I'm like, I'm going to go in the space that's <laughs> telling me you shouldn't be here and see how I feel and tune into that, that emotional response. So it's like kind of like my walks are like these psychogeographic walks and like these mindful walks where I'm like paying really close attention to how I'm feeling. And I don't know, like, so I'm just kind of like also encouraging that, like, pay attention to how you're feeling because I feel like we move so fast and we're just so numbing ourselves all the time that we're like not even paying attention to like these emotional responses that we're having that are really important Mm -hmm. like think about that if you see something that makes you uncomfortable or something that makes you feel good think about why why where did that come from it's connected so you know I, I I like I like getting that kind of like feed feedback from others and knowing that like, oh, I'm not the only one that maybe might experiencing that. Mm-hmm. And and realizing that like, oh, the city isn't mine. The city is ours and we're all experiencing it. And if I can find a way to kind of like connect and hear about others' experiences, it helps inform me and to better understand this thing that I'm living in. Mm-hmm. It's not a backdrop. It is impacting me every day, all the time, no matter what, with yeah. it, even if I'm not realizing it. So, yeah, that's the pile on project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of bring it brings it into this this uh, this area that I, like, I mean, obviously this is false. We are we are an act, we brand ourselves at least as an activist podcast, as an anti-capitalist podcast. We're pretty open about that fact. Um, so. I kind of want to talk about like what both of you see as the the role of art, and maybe you can bring Artsite into this because I know um, you were you were mentioning the roots of Artsite and kind of where it comes from over the last forty years, and uh, you said it has activist roots, and so there's there's clearly this connection there between art and activism, not just art for aesthetics sake, but it's actually doing something for the community. It's doing something to better the world. So, I'd first I'd first like to just mention how much I enjoy the Pylon project. Thanks, like, TJ. It's fascinating and it's it's powerful you know it's it's very thought-provoking you look at a pylon and it's uh it's sharp it's like phallus <laughs> it's t- it's taking it's taking up space and it's and it's demanding like the rule of law and order yeah you know so you you see you see this pylon standing whether it's a big pylon or a small pylon it's it's saying it's saying a lot you know, like we're conditioned to see the pylon and know that you can't go there. Yeah. Don't go there. The amount of conditioning that goes into something that makes us feel such a way, like it's just it's just a pylon, <laughs> you know, but we see the pylon and we immediately have a reaction to it. You know, like a stop sign. Mm-hmm. We see a stop sign. We're like, oh, I have to be mindful at this intersection because there could be danger lurking. You know, and the pylon is like the same sort of thing. But the thing that I love so much about the project is the is the storytelling. As a uh, as a poet and a storyteller, you know, having uh, having people inspired to share stories like around pylons, landscape, uh, gentrification. It's uh, it's really I mean, it's like it's like the perfect project. <laughs> you know, it's like the perfect project. It's really, really, it's really powerful. Uh, I forget the question that was asked. <laughs> something about something about art in the city. 
Yeah, I mean, because the both of you do like very um, community facing art, like frankly, and a lot a lot of artists don't, you know, and that that you know from the the dominant form of art that I'm familiar with, music. There's a lot of uh, musicians that, you know, they they write great songs. I'm not trying to like shit on it. It's still great art, but uh, but it's not necessarily community facing. It's very inward facing, right? And that can happen a lot with artists. And that's not just making a judgment about it, but the both of you, what I love about both of your work, and it's very different. You you work in different mediums, uh, but you're both very concerned about the city that's around you, the community that's around you, the people that are around you. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just wanted to, to have that conversation. Like, why have the both of you chosen to to go that route? Yeah, if I was if I was to be entirely honest, I think <clears throat> I think my relationship with art in the city is is very inward and and selfish. You know, like I'm. I'm sharing I'm sharing the world as I'm experiencing it, you know, so it's very it's very centric to me. And there's uh, there's groups of people who who relate to my experience, you know, so they get it. And then there's groups of people who who don't relate to it, but they're fascinated by it, you know, and there's a thin line between that sort of that sort of fascination and uh, and, uh, you know, What's 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 the best way to 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 describe this? You know, like fascination or like fetish fetishize? Mm, obsessive. Mm-hmm. Like obsessive. I always find like art is an obsession. Yeah, but I, I find that sometimes my particular art can can become you know fetish you know to some people. Yeah. You know, so when I'm when I'm creating content around uh, like my born enslaved project and I'm sharing the story of my ancestors who who were enslaved, uh, liberated, and then, you know, had this, this very, uh, this, this amazing story. I think there's, I think there's a lot of people that sit in the audience and they listen to those stories and they think they're listening to those stories to, to service, to service me, you know, but also to, to service themselves. Like I'm part of the solution if I sit down and listen, you know, so there's a lot of that that happens. I took note of this, you know, one of the last shows that I did before uh, before the pandemic came, you know, a lot of the folks in the audience were uh, were white folks who were also friends of mine and even even family of mine, you know. Mm-hmm. But I could see that there was like a certain fascination that kind of bridges into being being a fetish when I catch the the questions later on. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I catch things like, "Oh, you're so brave to write about that." <laughs> That story is so brave. <laughs> what inspired you to write about this? Yeah. You know, and it's not it's not an inspiration that 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 pushes you to write about your family's trauma and to re-traumatize yourself to share those stories. You know, it's a uh, it's more of it's more of a healing, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, it's a uh, it's it's an opportunity to like work through the trauma, you know, so it's so my art form tends to be like very selfish in that way. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily create like spoken word pieces to uh, to to change like the landscape of the way that we're interpreting or interacting with with the reality that we exist in. It's it's more for for me to make sense of that space, mm-hmm. you know, and then for other people to be fascinated with the way that I that I did it, you know. So yeah. it's like oh. You shared this story, but you shared it with this with this cadence, and you made it sound like this. And the way that you presented it on stage, it animated like like this, you know. So in that respect, you know, I, I'd say, I'd say 
the art that I produce is is very uh, is is very selfish. It's very it's very self serving, and I think I think that's I think that's the root of it. I don't think it would be decent if it if it wasn't expressed in that yeah. way. Right. You know, and when I and when I bring when I bring that art into the community, and I think about the uh, the landscapes and the way that different peoples are are interacting with the the landscape and the history of this particular community, I. Uh, I'm not. I'm not so. I'm not so concerned with uh, with what people think of the things that I'm that I'm saying hmm. because I don't. The, the truth is, I don't care what people think about the things that I'm saying. You know, hmm. the idea is for me to take the things that I'm saying and to disrupt the culture and to and to take up space. You know, and that's the uh, and that's where it expresses itself as as activism. It's right. like you know yeah. what I'm going to put myself into a traditionally white space. And I'm going to surround myself with white people and I'm going to say things that are going to make them feel uncomfortable, but also force them to to have to acknowledge, you know, the uh, the damage and the trauma that's that's been caused by a uh, by by a, by a system that we're for the most part uh, complacent in, you know, even even at the the furthest extent of our activism, we're still complacent, you know, in this in, in this in this this system the, the system of oppression mm-hmm. you know uh james baldwin and uh dr martin luther king would would talk about uh would 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 talk about america or the americas as a uh, as a as a house on fire you know especially when they would talk about like integration you know should should the uh should the should should black folks integrate with the dominant culture you know well, if the dominant culture is a uh, is a house that's on fire mm-hmm. does that serve the needs of anybody you know it doesn't serve the needs of anybody you know so the real activism is to put the fire out yeah but we don't actually work towards putting the fire out we do no work towards identifying the fire you know so we're like look at we work towards bringing people into the house on fire we're like look at that house is on the house is on fire and they're all screaming (laughs) yeah gather around (laughs) you know shout at the house shout (laughs) at the house you know when really the activism is grab a bucket of water yeah put the fire out Mm. you know but we've not we've not evolved to that to that space yet so we can't collectively put the fire out you know because we're not seeing the same thing at the same time you know so like our generation is is really about you know creating the uh the infrastructure for us to get onto the same page see what's actually happening and then to take action you know but for for the activists i mean we're so full of fire and so full of emotion and we're so passionate that you know we spend a lot of time just like like screaming at the fire <laughs> yeah this this fire this fire right there this fire this fire no fires no fires no fires and the fire is just like just raging you know people are at the top window saying get us out of the burning house and we're like put out fires put out fires looking around nobody has water yeah you know there's not a fire truck in sight nobody yeah, has a there's cell no phone. fire station there's you know nothing. yeah and oh that's like God. that's kind of that's kind of where we are and it's important that as people who identify as activists we also we we also come to terms with our with our limitations you know, because because uh, oftentimes as as activists we get so we get so drawn into the uh, to, to to the passion and the fire of it that we're not also like thinking strategically. And something that that I've learned over the years is like you have to think strategically. And uh, yeah. I, I I look back and I reflect on 
the way that my my uh, my uncles and my aunties, uh, the grandmothers, the grandfathers, the the way that they were working, like working the system, you know, they had to they had to they had to master the function of the system to like work inside the system. Yeah, you know, so the uh, the the example that I would give is if. Uh, if 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 your if your computer if your computer is like freezing too much, you don't punch your computer in the screen to make it stop. <laughs> Sometimes we do. Yeah. Sometimes we're like, oh, this computer, and we slam it on the ground, which does not fix the problem. No, probably gonna make it worse. Makes the problem worse. <laughs> yeah. You know. So what you want to do is you want to learn the mechanics of the computer so you can go inside, find the problem, and then fix the problem. You know, and then you can move forward, you know, but the quickest and the easiest thing to do is slam it shut. Yeah. You know, and then scream about it. That's stupid computer. You know, you get on the phone with with a with an IT person who's trying to do the best that they can do with what they have. And now they're getting screamed at and everyone's screaming and the computer never gets never gets fixed. You yeah. know, and when we look at the, the landscape of. Of, uh, of oppression, uh, systemic racism, discrimination, uh, sexism, and all the isms that are just like holding us, you know, back from like achieving our full potentials. You know, when we when we look at the way that we interact with that and our actions behind it, we're not really going into the system to fix the problems. You know, we're making the problems worse. Mm-hmm. You know, so so what I learned as as a child, just watching the way that my elders move, is. Master, master the system that, that's oppressing you because the system that's oppressing you doesn't anticipate that you might master it and then deconstruct it, you know? So, so it's about deconstructing whatever that system is, you know, in broad, in broad daylight, mm-hmm. you know? So like a lot of the work that I try to focus myself on now, whether I do it through, through art or art as activism, is master, master the landscapes and, and, and change it in such a way in everybody's face that you can't see the small changes as they're as they're happening mm-hmm. you know and uh one of my examples of this being successful is the uh is mary bibb park yeah which we talked about um last time you were on mm-hmm. uh, that was something that was in the process of happening yes and now there's a sign yeah now there's a sign <laughs> you now just there's... started calling it that basically yeah. right yeah in the uh, in the, amazing in the process in the process it, i mean it didn't require me to stand outside of the park with a with a sign or to stage a protest of any 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 sort you know and and maybe that would have worked as well you know because i never uh i never i never looked down my nose at folks who were on the front line you know well you were often one of them in fact yeah exactly (laughs) we know each other exactly (laughs) exactly you know but there's other ways to like slip to like slip into those systems and manipulate the gears that are in there yeah. and uh, my method for doing that was i was like well i was like i would like to celebrate black history and honor mary mary bibb and her contributions by having a park named after her mackenzie hall is is uh partially governed by the city of windsor and the friends of the court so i should join the friends of the court <laughs> yeah plant a seed yeah you know and see what happens and what happened was friends of friends of the court they they took the seed they heard what i had to say and uh once once they once they had that little piece of information they were able to move it through the uh the systems of the the, the gears of city hall quite fast you mm-hmm. know like, like within a matter of months 
Yeah. You know, council sat with it and said, oh, this is a great idea. Let's do it. You mm-hmm. know, and then let's pat ourselves on the back because it's during Black History Month. So look at this <laughs> yeah. black history thing that we did. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm okay with that. And now and now, now, what's next? Yeah. We got the park now. And I'm like, what's the consequence of that? Because you don't stop at that, right? Yeah. Because What I love about, about your work and about what you do is that you're never... It's not that you're never satisfied. It's just that the the goal is not to get the park named Mary Bibb Park, right? Yeah. There's a there's a wider goal that maybe that plays a part in, but you're working to you know, okay, now you've done that, now you're gonna do this, you know, <laughs> and yeah. like kind of keep moving that ball. It's a it's it's strategic planning, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like 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 many of us who don't who don't exist inside spaces that have to use language like strategic planning, oftentimes we we don't, and then we don't think about it or, or put it into practice, mm-hmm. you know? So, so when I'm thinking about, uh, situations where we live, we live in a city that has, uh, streets that are named after known slaveholders. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well we could get a bunch of attention just by saying, everyone, these streets are named after slave owners. What are we going to do? And that's an important piece of it. Mm-hmm. But the, the the piece that's even more important is the actual, what are we going to do? Like, how do we approach yeah. it? You know, do we vandalize the sign? You can, and that will technically change the name of the street <laughs> yeah. sign, but it's only going to get you so far. Yeah. And it's going to actually, you know, put you in a situation where you have more, more problems, like you have more things to fix, mm-hmm. you know, or you could uh, start like a, like a five-year plan sort of thing. You know, if you, in fact, think you have the uh, have what it takes to, like, you know, push through a five year plan for for me back in 2016, we just started calling Mary Bibb Park, Mary Bibb Park. Yeah. And we made sure that the media called it Mary Bibb Park because nobody knew (laughs) the name of the actual park. Right. And the folks who attended the park, let them think it's Mary Bibb Park and then just leave it there and see what happens and eventually a sign will appear yeah and eventually a sign <laughs> yeah. eventually a sign will yeah appear. i mean that's that's how we name neighborhoods in a lot of cases right yeah. yeah but i think tj just says it so perfectly planting seeds it's important mm. and, and 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 thinking carefully about how you plant those seeds and yeah. and when and i think you're really good at planting seeds because it takes time to to change things and like and to like watch it grow so it's like, and TJ, you and I kind of like talked before about like access points where you get to plant the seeds and like being able to think, oh, okay, this is the time, this is the opportunity to plant the seed. And like, I'll, and again, a different direction is like, I was thinking today, I was like, all right, I knew I was going to talk about art in the community, community, what does community mean? And like, I went back in my notebook and I had like written down like what does community mean to me? And it's like, well, who do I go to to feel like I'm a part of a community? Like that was like one of my questions and I was like, well, maybe it's not about who I go to. Maybe it's like a mindset. And maybe like instead of waiting around for something to happen to feel like I have like a strong sense of community in my city, what if I just like start doing things that to me feels like a community building or whatever so it's like for you you're like i'm just gonna start calling it mary bibb park i'm just gonna that's what i that's what i think that it should be called and i'm just gonna do that you didn't really like wait around for somebody to do that you just did it 
Yeah. And the seed was planted and then it like happened. Yeah. It's it's also important to to generate some uh, some energy around it. You know, so for me it wasn't it wasn't as as simple as like I'm just going to call it Mary Bibb Park. You know, that was uh like that was like the second step. Mm. The, the the first the first step was to make the name change important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I worked on this project called Missing from History. Hashtag Women of the Underground Railroad. So if we can all get on the same page and say that, you know, women in general get left out of the the, the history books. And specifically women of color in the context of the Underground Railroad don't don't exist there. Mm -hmm. You know, and you can look at the, the hundreds of names of men who've been remembered and then you can look at the handful of women you know mm-hmm. who who we know of. we're like oh underground railroad harriet tubman like comes really really fast because we've been conditioned to like know that name yeah harriet tubman and then as of recently you know on the canadian side we're like oh viola desmond mm-hmm. and viola desmond's on the ten dollar bill now mm-hmm. you know but there's so many names that just aren't there and to really personalize it, you ask a use you ask a group of people, how many of your grandmothers are going to be remembered in history, hmm. unless you share their story? Well, let me tell you about this woman who's who was called Mary Bibb. This is what she did, yada 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 yada, hmm. and she ended up a footnote in her husband's story. Yeah, this is what happens all the time. So, what are we going to collectively do about it? You know, because now it's not just about a race situation now it's also about like a like a like a gender situation mm-hmm. you know and then it's also about a personal situation my grandma no one's gonna know my grandma if i don't talk about them my my mother my my aunties my my nieces my daughters now you generate some energy and when you're in a, a community where where white men are just naming stuff after themselves like willy-nilly <laughs> and you're 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 coming you're coming off the you're springboarding off of like Black Lives Matter, and we're also learning about street signs that are named after people who famously enslaved other people. Mm-hmm. You know the energy is right. You know yeah. so let's have this conversation. Yeah. The time the time is right, and then you let it then you let it play out. You know, but it's a it's a long it's a long game. Right. You know, so we're talking like 2016, all the way to 2001 when the city was finally like okay, let's let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, but the city is going to pat themselves on the back for, for doing it. Yeah. They're going to... Because it's easy, right? It's yeah. a symbolic thing. Yeah. Oh, it's a sign and we can recognize this person. Yeah. But listen, we you know, the, the conversation doesn't necessarily have to go any further than that, right? Yeah. Which is where, again, you know, you come in, where, yeah. where artists come in to kind of... Well, not just artists, but artists, activists, community members, workers, people, right? Yeah. To yeah. like, okay, yeah, you did the thing now. So now, now you, you care about Mary Bibb. You care about the contribution of women to the Underground Railroad. You recognize that there's a history here in Windsor that needs to be pointed to more often. What does that mean for the people here today mm-hmm. who still live in the city, who are still dealing with the same racist, classist, sexist systems in place that are oppressing them now? Yeah, and uh, and knowing and knowing how to really really bank on the way that you are going to naturally in the dominant culture be exploited and tokenized you know because if you can find a way to to manipulate that to reach your goals 
then that become then that becomes currency, you know. So I so I knew that along with Mary Bibb Park being renamed, you know, they were gonna put me in front of a bunch of a bunch of media to talk mm-hmm. about it, you know. And once that media platform opens up, then you start having conversations about, well, this was just setting precedent for this other thing we're gonna do, and this other thing we're gonna do, you know, and get people thinking that they also have the power to like start to change the names of stuff and like have ownership in their own their own neighborhood you know so mary mary bib park that's like the door swinging open for for the uh for the powers that be to to center you and tokenize you and then you taking that opportunity to like take the rug underneath everybody you mm-hmm. know because it's like oh you just you just got caught with your pants around your your ankles <laughs> because you were patting yourself on the back and you yeah. put all the power in my hands you know like you put you put a camera in front of me and you let me go live <laughs> like this is live yeah well this is what i really this is what i really have to say and you say it so clever that you have another opportunity to to say something in the future you know you uh you don't you don't like you don't you don't burn you don't burn the structure down with a with a bomb you know what i mean like you you take the nails out you know you mm-hmm. get into the space take a nail out take a nail out eventually all the nails are out and then you just blow on the house and it fell like mm-hmm. oh i don't know how the house fell <laughs> who knocked down the house and look we have this other beautiful great house we've been working on this whole time exactly exactly <laughs> you know and i ref- i reflect on uh coming into the IWW and the language around building a new world inside the the shell of the old world mm-hmm. and what that actually means yeah because mm-hmm. when you're because when you're just when, when you're just uh, becoming uh, orientated into into these into these this language and these schools of thought like on the surface it looks like burn that shit down. And then build something inside it. And then you think... People are living in the thing yeah, you're and also, <laughs> burning down. Never in the history ever did someone burn something down and then build something inside the thing that burnt down. Once mm-hmm. you burn it down, the shit is... That shit is done. Mm-hmm. You know? So what does it... What does it, what does it actually mean? And they're like, okay, well, what we're talking about is, is deconstructing. You know? So let's deconstruct whatever this is, but also have a plan... To, to, to build as you're breaking, you know, mm-hmm. I broke it, I built it, I broke it, I built it. And then you, and then you have this balance that happens, you know? So what I've learned in, in activism is to really like tune into what that, what that balance is, yeah. you know, not to allow emotion to like just run out willy nilly because, because our emotions are also, are also an enemy to us. Like our emotions want to want to hold us back. Mm-hmm. And although it also helps us to propel the message you know, it also kind of ties our kind of ties our wrists together and ties our feet together. You know, so if we have like a clear plan as to how to destroy, you know, we can destroy at the best of our potential. Mm-hmm. When you say like destruct, rebuild, break down, it's like the, that kind of like mentality is like what I think about when I'm around these like locations in the city that I'm drawn to. It's like, oh, things can be broken down and rebuilt. That's a reminder right there that these things can change and I don't have to accept them for what they are and I can be critical of it and I can think and reimagine how this thing around me is working. 
it's a reminder because sometimes you forget about that or like you know you talked about being complacent and like you just are like oh well no that's just the way that's just the way that it is why why do I what I have to question it it's like well why not right so that's how I like that's like my way of connecting to that idea of like building and breaking down and what that means and how that kind of like gets me thinking when I'm out there walking in the city, wandering around um, and like processing all of this. Like my artwork, like you said, yours is like selfish to begin with. And it's like, yeah, for me it is too. Like it's just the way that I'm processing the world around me and it's coming out and like I'm regurgitating it within my work and then I'm looking at it and being like, well, what the heck? does that mean? (laughs) I'm like, what just happened? I'm filtering through these things and it's like a way for me to digest what's going on and like what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing and how it's making me feel. And then it's like, okay, if I can now share that in different ways to get people also thinking about how they decide to um, digest that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind of wanted to to bring it back to that interpretation of, of art and how like we all experience the world through our own lens and how we need to be honest about that if we're gonna like have solidarity with each other. Hmm. Um, It's interesting too, because like I know for, for your art, April, like I see it differently than even you see it. And and I've experienced this as a musician, like I'll write a song and I may not even know what the song's about really. It's just, it's lyrics that kind of sound good. And I don't know, they came out and I just put them down and put them to music and, and there it is. Or maybe I do know, or I think I know what it's about. And then someone else will hear it and they'll have a completely different, yeah, you know, reading of what that is. And, and, and they'll tell me that and say, well, oh, that's really, you wrote, you wrote this song about this. And it's like, did I? I don't remember writing a song about that. And then you're like, oh, I guess I kind of did write it. And then it like changes your interpretation of your own work. Uh, and, and that's maybe that, that that can be an act of solidarity, I suppose. Um, so I know like with your work, you know, like I came to it and go, well, she's, she's talking about gentrification. She's talking about like capitalism. Like this is this is what she's doing here. And and, and not to say that you didn't have some of those those um, intentions with your art, but it definitely wasn't the center of it for you. You're, you're more describing as like, I'm just, I'm walking through the city and I'm just interpreting what I'm seeing and, and being interested by these things. And now yeah. I'm going to put it down, you know? I had like a second look at my work and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm responding to this like really big thing that like maybe I wasn't aware of in the beginning. Mm-hmm. The the rose-colored glasses were like taken off. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap, what did... What happened? How am I dealing with this now? For me, as an artist, I like the way that I work is like I work more intuitively. I don't really have like a plan. I know how I work, and I just I just go and I make things, and then they kind of like look back at me, and then mm-hmm. I'm sitting there and I'm looking back at the work, and I'm like, okay, this is what happened. Like, cause whenever I go to make a painting. I'll have like an idea in my head of what I want it to look like and then I make it and it looks nothing like that and it's not near anything that I would have thought of it just came out and like now I have to look at it and like deal with it and what that means so you know when when other people experience my work or they see it in different ways and then they share that with me it's like ah whoa like you said I didn't even know that I was like talking about that it's like that is something I really need to consider and yeah, so I think it's important that people respond to it differently, mm-hmm. and it gives you insight into 
into what you're doing in a lot of ways. Yeah, and like I don't know, like it doesn't have to like with as an artist, you're you're okay with knowing that people are going to respond differently to your work. You don't have control over that. Mm-hmm. I don't have control over how somebody's going to respond to what I'm making or what I'm creating. I I just it just is like it's feedback that I can then consider and be like, okay. Now now knowing that, knowing like hey, that's how you experience my work. Now, how do I think about myself as an artist playing a role in that? Mm-hmm. And why is that important? And if this is something that I am directly responding to, now how do I move forward with with thinking about how I'm going to create my work? Yeah, you're and what, folding it into your your creative process. Yeah, like what stance am I going to have, and how do I feel about that, and how do I talk about it, and you know, mm-hmm. what am I going to make, and how am I going to continue to spark conversations mm-hmm. around these things that I'm experiencing? Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like my my honest way of talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so before we go, I do want to talk a bit, just a little bit about Artsite, and then we can uh, we can call it a day. Um, so I, I've been familiar with Artsite since I've really entered the art scene in, in Windsor, which is probably a couple of years after I moved here and sort of got out of the university bubble a little bit. Uh, but I've never really spent a ton of time here except to, you know, maybe see exhibits and things that were happening or maybe a friend had some art up or something like that or we're doing something here. Um, so uh, what what exactly is Artsite? How did it come to be and what like what what is the role that it plays in the larger art scene in Windsor? Artsite is badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, much uh, much much like yourself, I I didn't know a lot about Artsite until I uh, until I became employed by Artsite. Mm-hmm. And it was important to me to understand what the roots of this organization was because you know, prior to starting here, you know, I reached out to a lot of a lot of friends of mine in the neighborhood to get their impressions of Artsite, especially uh, creatives in the community who have had interactions, have been members, have sat on the board, have been around through the uh, the many cycles of Artsite. And we're talking about an organization that's almost 40 years old at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> Artsite, as, uh, from what I understand, is it's it's gone through like growing, growing pains and uh, just just like any old organization, you know, so I came downstairs into the basement, which we're, we're sitting right now, and you'll mm-hmm. notice that we're surrounded by archives. Yeah. You know, so I, I found uh, like the early letters of incorporation, mm-hmm. read through the bylaws, the mission, the vision, and uh, back in like 1982, there was a group of probably 16 artists, and uh, they wanted... Their intention was to disrupt, you know, the, uh, the the status quo of our art scene at that point. You know, they didn't have a space for experimental contemporary art. And uh, there wasn't spaces that were opening up for them. So they decided, well, we're going to build our own space for mm-hmm. us and for artists who are like us. And we're going to celebrate and educate our community around uh, the... Uh, the multiple uh, forms, uh, disciplines, expressions of contemporary art, experimental art, 
poetry, film, visual arts, theater, like right across the board. You know, basically we're going to create a creative space for artists and it's going to be an artist run center for us, by us. And I thought at that point, I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is, uh, this is reminding me a lot of like Bloomfield House, you know, mm-hmm. Bloomfield House, we were like a community shouldn't exist without a community center. Like there shouldn't be a place where the community can come sit down and, uh, get whatever's on their chest off their chest, you know, and then use that as an opportunity to, to build community. That's exactly the, the expression of the Bloomfield house. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, we were addressing a community that, uh, that, that had the banks, the, the schools taken away, the healthcare centers taken away, houses were boarded up, you know, like the, uh, the city had picked apart all the resources of sandwich town, Moved them into other areas. Yeah. Since since that time, you know, enough noise has been made, you know, for some attention to be brought back into Sandwich Town. Unfortunately, it's 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 likely coming, you know, on the back end of like gentrification. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. Some of the changes in Sandwich Town uh, quite alarming in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's a. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 what it's what you it's what you expect, you know, from a. Uh, from the from the from the society that we live in you know yeah. Yeah. they find they find spaces that can be uh utilized you know for capital and mm-hmm. they suck the capital out of it and then they and then they move on leave it alone yeah. you know so that's uh that's sandwich town but i mean uh while the bloomfield house was there we could speak truth to that power you know yeah. we were putting ourselves in a position to where it's not just going to be sandwich town that knows about all these houses being boarded up. We're going to make sure the whole city knows that these houses are boarded up and we're going to let them know the effect that it has on the community and the reason why it's being boarded up. Mm-hmm. You know, a, uh, a community that's surrounded by billions of dollars in, uh, in industry, you know, yeah. and we consider the, uh, the Gordy Howe bridge, the ambassador bridge, the, uh, the trains that go through there, the university of Windsor, the port authority, it's just surrounded by money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so out of that comes Bloomfield House, you know, going back to 1982 out of out of the uh, that struggle for these artists who couldn't find place. They created they created place, you know, and that's a uh, that's art site. Uh, Has it been in here the whole time in this space? It hasn't been hasn't been here the whole time. It first started, I think. I think when it first started, it was a it was further west, okay. still on Wyandotte, but further, further west. It, I could be wrong about that. You know, I don't know if like they changed the the address of this building in the last 40 years. Yeah. But but if not, this this building did have a different address, you know, early on. Yeah. And it's a uh, when you when you think about like an artist run center, you know, existing for 40 years, that's that's astounding because oftentimes a group of artists can't come together to sustain anything for that yeah. long. You know, we get to a certain point and then we need to go our separate ways because yeah. as artists, yeah. As I mentioned earlier, we are we are selfish about about our work. Like we mm-hmm. need to do the work that is going to fulfill us. And if we yeah. can't do that in a collective space, then we have to move on. And uh, I remember in 2013, 2014, coming to dance parties at ArtSite. <laughs> I'd, I'd come here a few times for do doing the Louvre, that. which is yeah. a which is one of our bigger fundraisers this year we had to do it digitally and it still worked out pretty pretty decent and i was uh, i was booked to do a couple uh, spoken word workshops here you know but outside of that like 
we weren't really studying art site. Nobody that I knew was really studying art site. Even when I made the announcement, oh, I'm going to be working at art site. People are like, oh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm not even sure how to identify what it is. It's an artist run center. It's a gallery. It's an artist run center that turned into a gallery. You know, and some of the questions that I ask myself now in the position that I'm in is still like, well, what is art site exactly? Like we're an artist run center, but are we an artist run center first and a gallery second? Or are we a gallery first and an artist run center second? You know, and that really mm-hmm. begs the question of, you know, what role do we play mm. in the community? Yeah. I think like you're stepping in to your role at art site at a really great time because I think that role of what Artside is, whatever it was before, there's like opportunity to really change that and evolve that now. I think like, you know, right now during the pandemic and COVID, we're all kind of at home and inside, but I think once we come back, we're going to start, we might use spaces and the city in a different way than we have before. And I think that this is like the perfect opportunity to plant a seed. Yeah, for and sure. to see how that how that goes. Yeah. I think you 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 get to decide what it's going to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. my my motivation is to set people is 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 to uh, is to set people up. You know, my my motivation is to, as they say, you know, put put people on. You know, so the time that I get to exist in the position that I'm in, I'm like, how can I expand this opportunity to as many people as possible to, you know, transform this organization, you know, to uh, to to work in a productive way in the landscape that we're that we're in. You know, we are we're downtown. The Art Gallery Windsor has the role that they play. Hmm. Uh, Art Council Windsor has the role that that they play. You know, where does an artist-run center exist in there? Because we are, like, we're fueled by activism. Right. You know, so we have to be, like, we have we have to take an activist stance on, on certain issues. Mm-hmm. You know, so how do we how do we best do that as an organization? You yeah. know, and, and how does the whole organization get onto the same page? You know, because I'm, I'm the newest person to the organization. There's people who have been here for a long for I wouldn't say a long time because the board changed a little while ago yeah but I'm not I'm not shy about saying many even if even if you identify as an activist you're bringing like colonial thinking into a space because that's that's the space that we were born into Mm -hmm. you know and we have to we have to shed that we all live in that house (laughs) yeah we all live in that house we can't just show up one day and say I'm I'm decolonized. Let's do this. Let's do this work because for me, identifying you know the fact that I've I'm colonized. I know what it looks like, so I can see it in you. You know, so if you're bringing like that sort of nonsense to the table, then you get called out on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and there and there is, I mean, around an art seat, there around an art scene, there's going there's going to be like this uh, this pretentious energy in this this look down your nose as high brow kind of thing yeah. and from what i understand of art site is that that's the impression that a lot of people yep. have of this organization it's definitely i like when you mentioned that it has that sort of root in activism it sort of came as a surprise like i know they do they do may works mm-hmm. and that, that's a thing that that is definitely connected to workers movements and those sorts of things but that's really it i mean as being a part of the activist scene 
you know, in this city for over a decade as you have been, it's not like Artsite was, you know, involved in that in any real constructive way very often. So, uh, I guess I'm surprised by that. And and I think too the other the other thing, being that it's artist run, like what you're saying is ultimately it's it's worker run, yeah. right? Which which I think in and of itself is a disruption of the sort of normal way of doing things, right? It's it's a disruption of capital, which normally an art gallery or an art space will be owned by someone. Maybe they're an artist, but it'll be owned by someone who is extracting capital from that relationship, whereas this is a worker and artist-run center. Mm-hmm. And so that's in and of itself a disruption of that status quo, which I think is really important. Yeah, this, I mean, Artsite has tremendous potential to do fantastic work in the city i mean mm-hmm. it, it comes down to like like the, the time that i'm with art site it come it comes down to how wild my my mind will allow me to to to, to think and also the the trust that that i receive from from the board of directors yeah because any organization you know i'm i'm just i'm just an employee of the, the board of directors right yeah. you know so mm-hmm. i can I can run around the city and I can I can set lots of things up and connect with lots of people and I have a rep, I have a reputation coming into this position as being able to network pretty well you know but it comes down to whether or not you know the board is in line you know and we have we have a good board of directors you know there's there's a lot of fire and activism that that's in there you know so yeah. that's 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 a really good step but it's also making sure that the board is also able to check themselves and the the power and the privilege that they hold in that position even sure. though like a board of directors it's it's a volunteer gig you know mm-hmm. so you can only expect so much from from a group of volunteers but they're also in the position to to govern this organization you know so our future depends on on our board of directors you know of course you know so for me coming into the organization you know i have to be thinking about like five ten years in advance you know so what does what does our organization look like in in five years you know like boards turn around like every year every two years how do we diversify that that board how do we get better representation on that board how do we reach out into the community and make sure that the community is looking at art site as like our gallery like this is mm-hmm. this is our gallery you know i hate to i hate to throw the term out like the people's the people's <laughs> gallery kind of thing you know but we like we need to move that way as as an organization you yeah. know like i'm in i'm in a position where as as the executive director of artsite i'm i'm the person who's like extracting capital right because they have to they have to pay me to do to do yeah. this job right yeah. you know but to do my job to the best of my ability and to make sure that this is an organization that is that can sustain itself and my plan is in the next 10 years for Artsite to to own their own building to be able to provide space and opportunity for other groups that are just starting out mm-hmm. you know so yeah. Artsite would be like would be that uh, that umbrella and also would I love also that. yeah would also create kind of like the blueprint you know to continue to continue to do this work and not be so dependent on on our funders, you know, because like funders, funders are, are great and you, you love them when they're grant, when they're giving you money, you know, but when they're not giving you money, 
mm-hmm. they're working against your mandate, you know. Right. So we have we have a mission here, you know, to I mean to the short of it is our mission is to provide a space for people to engage with contemporary art, you know, but my mission inside that mission is to get out into the neighborhood, put your hands into the weeds and do work, you know? Yeah. Like an expression of uh like an expression of of an artistic work is like to transform a landscape and transforming a landscape has a lot to do with connecting with the people who are in your yeah. neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, we had uh we had we have we have somebody who I don't know or maybe several people who uh who camp out like in front of our in front of our front door here at nighttime. You know, and and the evidence is is left like when I when I come here in the morning to check the mail, you know, there's there's definitely like like things that are left from a person who stays here. But who who's that person? Yeah. Like I've never had the opportunity to meet that person. I don't know if that person's had the opportunity to engage with Artsite, but we have like this connection that's already there and we should we should know all the people, you yeah. know? So like a big part of like what I want to do is like make sure we know all the people. Like early on here when I was just kind of chasing my tail trying to figure out how I work inside this space, I had a donation of PPE that that came here. It was little packages of gloves, masks and a hand sanitizer, you know? So I go out in the street and just start handing stuff out. Yeah. You know, like my I'm yeah. uh I'm TJ. I'm I work in the neighborhood, you know? We should we should connect at some point. You know, you want your artist run center to be more than just a gallery, you know, not just like a, a fish tank where people walk mm-hmm. by, they see your windows and there's art on the wall. You want people to feel like, oh, I can come in, yeah, hang out for a little while, get warm, have a coffee, make friends, have a relationship. This uh, this year, like with Mayworks, you mentioned Mayworks, I definitely have to connect with, with IWW because I mm-hmm. had a conversation with a few of the folks who have been organizing Mayworks and they're taking the year off. They're not going to be doing mm-hmm. any of the organizing side. Uh, they brought to my attention that, you know, Artsite's been engaged with it, you know, so yeah. what can we do? So I'm like, well, we need <laughs> you, to make you know sure. Some, you know some radical workers who yeah, could. Uh... Like, yeah. we, need, we need to make sure <laughs> that Mayworks is expressed, you know, to. Yeah. The, the best extent that we can express it, you know, so reaching out to other organizations. I know Windsor Feminist Theater, they're going to be doing a uh, they're going to be doing a, a show around a uh, a uh, uh, a dominatrix like a oh, yeah, Jean, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, so that show that show is going to be popping off and I think they have it situated so that it's happening like during Mayworks. Mm-hmm. So we could build some some relations there where we can like work in partnership to some extent, whether it expresses itself as like using our space for reception or mm-hmm. rehearsals or just a space to create signage or open up conversation, you know, but like the space like art site is here. It has to be used for, yeah. for something. You know, I had conversations with uh, with Susan down the street, and I'm like... Susan's awesome. Yeah, Susan is awesome. She's so awesome. You know, but... Susan Gold. Oh, Susan, Susan Gold. Gold. Yeah, yeah. I know Susan Gold. Yeah. And yeah. my, yeah. like, yeah. one of the concerns I had coming into the organization, having learned about the way that a lot of people feel about the space, was, you know, what do you expect from an artist-run center? Like, what, like, what could we be doing, you know, to improve 
this the neighborhood and you know susan is like put something in your windows like yeah you have nothing in your like communicate something yeah like say something mm-hmm. anything like say anything just say <laughs> yeah. something say something yeah and i'm like you know the uh, the solution is so easy like how how simple is it to just like hang something in the window mm-hmm. that reaches out to the community and says something yeah you know so i mean what i what i did was I came down into the archives and I found a picture of the, the six people that founded this place and I just popped it up in the window. I love that. You know, and we're like, these, this place is here because of these people. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get to know these people because in 1982, when I was a year old, these artists were like creating a space for me to be the executive director one day. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that, that's like, I'm part of that story now. You know, and and like us just sitting in this basement right now, having this podcast, like we're all part of like the story now. Like mm-hmm. we we look back in the archives of this is false. You know, ten years from now, we're like, oh, remember that time we were I in the know. basement at Art Site? I've been thinking about that this whole time, and I've been like, you know, I've been in and out of this space, and I've thought about the history of this space and the artists that have come in here. You know, because like even some of the artists that have been in and out of the space, they were my teachers. Susan Gold was my advisor in school. I would go to her when I was like, I don't know what to do with my life, Susan. Which direction do I take? She's like, Well, <laughs> I would. She would advise me on like what courses to take to finish and to get to where I needed to go and. I always felt like, wow, that's so cool that they're in that space doing cool things. And what is it all about? And then like today, as I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, I'm a part of that now. And it feels really cool to be like, hey, I'm a part of it. Then there's like this connection that's made. It's like, oh, I'm connected to the space. It's like, okay, we did that. We somehow did that today about everything that you're talking about you're like how do i make it feel like oh that's my gallery i love how you put that to have people walk by and be like that's that's my gallery because you know that's what it was here for this this space is this space is a revolution but we can't we can't let go like we can't let people take it from us you know like i think about the capitol theater like some years ago when they were going to close it down the number of people who sat outside with with signs yeah. mm-hmm. protesting the closer the closure of that theater and it stayed open but the community has to stay engaged you know like the community has to make sure that the door stays open mm-hmm. for the community and that's the same with this place yep. like if the community is not knocking on the door saying that this is my space then it then it's just going to continue on yeah. on a on a route that doesn't engage with with people and there's no one there to save it when yeah you have to close the door and nobody will care yeah right like, if you're not engaged with that community we have we have to do it because in this in this city things are taken from us like really really quick yeah you know i mean a perfect... look, look at like the the uh um where pride was where the where the pride uh was it pride windsor is yeah, that um, had the office yeah i'm pretty sure they're just gone yeah you know like there goes your space yeah sorry that, you were looking for that well we need more parking yeah and that out you go that knocked the knees <laughs> right out of that organization yeah like how do you rebuild from that yeah you know you move into another place you have to build a new culture around you you have mm-hmm. to bring new people into the organization and uh if you get over that hump good but i mean oftentimes oftentimes you don't no yeah. it's like, really hard like look at our look at our city hall yeah not the new building the old, the old building, but just, but just the area in, in general, you know, like we have, we have a traditional black community 
Mm-hmm. We have we have a we have a space down there, which were the uh, the the barracks from from the war, which which should have been like this historic location yeah. that could have been such an important tourist attraction, but such an important piece of the story for the uh, the black community in Windsor. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the place that was receiving folks who were emigrating into yeah. Canada. Refugees, as Refugees. you said on, on the episode you're on before, we talked a lot about that. Yeah, yeah like like that, yeah. inside that space, they were receiving refugees, they were building a school, they were doing the activist work, and it was wiped off the wiped off the map. Yeah, and now you know? City Hall's there. Now City Hall and is And a there. monument to World War II is there. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, the church it, is still there, though. The church is still there. <laughs> the, and the church still plays its role in activism, because I remember mm. during Occupy, they were letting us use the yep. bathrooms and That's such. That's true. When City Hall wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, we have to, like, we have to push the hand of, of these places. Like, mm-hmm. like Artsight, as an organization, I'm happy to be here in the position that I'm in. But if I can't utilize this as a as a tool for for justice, equity, representation, then it doesn't really mean nothing, and I will have no motivation to to stay here because I'm not just going to like I'm not just going to pay the, the the CRA like payroll deductions, you know. I'm not just going to do like these administrative like robot things. Yeah. Like if we're not expressing something. I can't waste my life in a space that's not doing that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I can leave this space, create my own space, and do that stuff. It'd be a very un-TJ thing to happen to, I would say, if you were just the sort of paper pusher. Yeah. It's not yeah. really T. They wouldn't bring you into this position if they were if they were looking for someone yeah. to do that. When I when I applied <clears throat> for this for this position and it wasn't it wasn't on my radar, at all. It wasn't on my radar at all. A friend of mine sent me a message and. Uh, and she she mentioned you know people of people of color will uh they'll they'll not they'll not the some something along the lines of people of color 5% of them will apply for the jobs that they're qualified to do yeah whereas white folks will apply for all the jobs even if they have no qualifications <laughs> yep and then they'll end up in those yeah. jobs with no qualifications and then the the black folks who were maybe even overqualified for the job are just kind of outside mm-hmm. you know just like maintaining the the status quo of struggle where can people find you april if they oh. would like to find you uh, so on instagram it's just april morris artist and that's like my personal all, artist all account word? um there's an underscore in between april okay. morris artist and then you can also follow the Pylon Project, mm-hmm. which has underscores in between each word. And everybody keep a lookout because I'm going to be putting more free art in the community. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be hanging some pieces of art in different locations in the city where if you find it, you get to keep it. And maybe if you feel like taking a post and sharing it with the Pylon Project, you can. Um, but yeah. Cool. And TJ? Yeah. First of all, I'm so desperate for like some free art. I just love free. I just know that one day I'm going to score some of this free <laughs> pylon art. I have. We can, I'm going to be doing it for like the next 
little yeah, while. We, we I've got some put our thumb on the pylons, scale a little so. bit. Yeah, 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 this yeah. one's going to go right so outside of TJ's house. Weird. Uh, <laughs> you're going to see my uh, my radical expression of capitalism as I'm taking your free art and putting it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> no! Oh, this is an April Morris original. Oh, God. <laughs> $3,500 for this. Nobody, don't get any ideas. Don't get... <laughs> it's like, ba- like Banksy where they just like saw out the concrete from the thing oh, and put it God. in the other thing. Yeah. Shoot, yeah. if anybody out there want, wants to find me for something, I mean, don't don't try to hit me up for money just because I'm making some money now. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> but uh, the the address the address here is a uh, 109 University West Art Site, the corner of University and uh, Policier, just next to Capitol Theater. I'm hoping that we um, we start to do like a modified open up pretty soon. So there'll probably be like six people by uh, by appointments. Is how I think we're gonna start getting into the swing of things. I have uh, I have a YouTube page, uh, TJ Travis Poetry. We'll leave links to that. And your your name will be spelt in the in the title of the podcast. Yeah. So in the same thing for, for Instagram and like like Facebook and such. If you want to uh, if you want to hire me to just come talk, I do a lot of that, especially during <laughs> this Black History Month. People call me up and say, "Will you show up and just say stuff?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yes." Yep. You know, I, I accept e-transfers for anybody that just wants to, like, <laughs> be generous and send me some money. Uh, TJ.Travis at live.ca. I, uh, I'm, very, uh, I'm very generous about my ability of accepting people's stuff. <laughs> yeah. so, You're going to make it very possible for people to hand you money yeah, if, you'd like, if yeah. you'd like to do that. I will do, <laughs> I will do all the good things with your money. I've been buying uh, Black History Month uh, running shoes this month. Oh, right, the so, New Balance ones, yeah. Which are totally yeah. kick-ass, by the way. Yeah. 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 They're all, they're, I was like, damn, those are some nice pair of shoes. <laughs> I really like them. I mean, they're no um, uh, yellow North Face kicks. Yeah, but. they're not my, my snowshoes. But <laughs> Your snowshoes, they're so cool. <laughs> Rep- represent. Yeah, also, uh, uh, big big ups to, uh, to This Is False podcast. I was, well, thank you. I was, uh, I was explaining, you know, some of the, some of the jewels of the podcast to, to Beans earlier today. Yeah, and she was uh, quite excited to know the, the, the radical activist roots of, of this. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, when you get so pissed off that you start a podcast. <laughs> pissed off should, and poor. Both. You have to be both to start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I, think they're, I think they're intertwined. Like, you, yeah. can't, you, can't, you can't be like... What the hell else am I going to do? I just need to yell into a microphone for a while. You can't be both, like, pissed off and revolutionary unless you're also pretty pretty broke yeah you know so that's yeah, true all of you uh, all of you wealthy activists out there you're not activists sorry <laughs> not, i mean support the cause yeah. yeah send 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 your monies to uh to, to patreon for, for this, <laughs> this is false and, and any other and tj.travis yeah, yeah. yeah you can send course. me all the money i mean you can come right to my house you can come right just to my hand house. me money it's cool just... we have a mailbox <laughs> You got one of those square readers and just swipe a card. Yeah. <laughs> all of all of that stuff. In the summer, I plan on doing a community event at uh, Mary Bibb Park if it's if it's safe to do so. So that'll be the uh, the true celebration of the park. So be great. for all of y'all who are who are listening, come out. There'll be free food and art. Cool. Cool. 
Maybe you'll find some pylons out there. Yeah. never know. I'll bring a pylon. I think we could like hide (laughs) pylons around Mackenzie Hall. And then for like the next 50 years, people are just finding them in random places. (laughs) I would love that. I'm trying to find different ways of leaving pylons around. And I'm I'm thinking of new ways of creating my own pylons or something. So maybe that might be the time Mm. to try that out. The invention of a new pylon. Yeah. Maybe made out of something else. But thanks for having us, Travis. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. And uh, it's been a slice. Yeah. There's going to be a part two. I got more to say.